What's up, y'all? It's Drewski, and I've teamed up with Mountain Dew to produce a hilarious new basketball podcast called The Dew Zone with Drewski. Learn the backstories of your favorite ballers and celebrities like Jamal Murray. Did you have, like, a favorite team? Was it the Raptors at the time or no? Was the Raptors even started around that time? Come on, bro. I ain't that old, fam. <laughs> You're talking like I'm 50. Taylor Rooks, Asia Wilson, and many more. You won't want to miss this. Listen to The Do Zone with Drewski on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you listen to podcasts. Hey there. Because you're listening to this podcast, we at Blue Wire want you to know this. One, we freaking love you. And two, we want to learn more about you. Help us make more content you'll love by filling out a survey you can find in the description of this podcast. You'll help us out a ton, and you'll have a chance to win a Blue Wire t-shirt, hoodie, or a pair of AirPods. We appreciate you, hope you're staying safe, and want you to enjoy this podcast. What is crackalacking, Hardwood Knox listeners? I am Dan Favalli coming at you today with a podcast that is about current events basketball for the most part. Nice little change of pace here. We've been going through the, the decade rankings, which have been fun, but there's uh, now with basketball coming back, there are actual basketball matters to tend to. So I'm bringing on fellow Blue Wire Pods colleague Jabari Ali Davis. He is the co host of the Dunks and Discourse podcast. You should. Check them out. You can follow him on Twitter at Jabari Davis MBA. That's at J A B A R I Davis MBA. And you can also follow the podcast. And again, check them out. It's a great podcast. Mixes movie rankings with a lot of hoops talk. I really like the crossover idea there. Dunks and Discourse. You can follow them at Dunks Discourse. Uh, what we're going to talk about today is the the Kyrie Irving stuff with regards to the bubble. We're going to get Jabari's opinions on whether he thinks, um, relative to knowing that yes, the league is going to restart. So if we're just set on that and we just know that there's no wiggle room there, how do you feel about the way that they've set this up? Also, what do you think about Kyrie kind of spearheading the messaging of whether players should actually report um, to Disney World or not to play? Does it send a bigger message to, to show up and then use that platform? We get into that. After that, though, the meat and potatoes of this podcast are spent on the eight teams that are not going to Disney World. We tackle our biggest question for each one moving forward. It could be something that's answered as early as this offseason, but they're also sort of these macro inquiries into into their futures, just things that we're, we're curious on. So it was a really interesting discussion. Before we get started talking to him, though, I just want to remind, implore, beg, plead with everyone. Continue rating, reviewing, and subscribing to us wherever you get your podcasts iTunes does help us out a bunch. So even if you're not using iTunes, can you go in there, throw us a five-star rating, write a review, constructive criticism, notes, suggestions, happy thoughts, why you think Frank Nielakina is going to be a Hall of Famer. I will read and consume it all. We appreciate every single one of you who's listened throughout everything that's gone on over these past about four months now. We will continue to be bringing content. The Decade Player Ranking Series will continue. Follow us on Twitter as well at Hardwood Knox. You can subscribe to our YouTube channel too. Go to youtube.com, search Hardwood Knox, and we will come right up. Last, but certainly not least, shout out to our sponsors this week. As always, betonline.ag. You will be hearing from them in just a few moments. All right, let's talk some hoops with Jabari Davis from the Dunks and Discords pod. Jabari, this this seems like a loaded question, obviously, given everything that's going on, but but how are you doing? I mean, we, we, we kind of spoke about it in the pre-show. I'm doing as well as anybody can be expected, you know, with everything that's going on, as you, know, as you just alluded to uh, right now, being healthy 
and being safe is about is about as much as I can ask for. How about yourself? Yeah, I'm I'm the same. I'm with you. It's I feel stupid asking people how they are during this time, but then it's like you can't be rude and not not <laughs> ask them. And so it's like it's a loaded no, question, I, but uh, I'm glad to hear that you're doing well. And like I said, I'm I'm the same. Well as can be, as well as can be, relative to everything that's going on. Absolutely. One of the things, of course, that is going on is the NBA's bubble is the bubble protocol in Disney World is getting a lot more. Uh, I don't want to say pushback. It seems like a lot more new elements to it or new twists and turns. Maybe we should have expected um, as we get a little bit closer. It felt like once they came out with the plan that, you know, they would come out with the details. We'd make fun of some of the protocols or um, luxuries like them having personal DJs within the, the Disney World <laughs> bubble or or things along those lines, but it has, um, there's the conversation has expanded and maybe that was a natural point, particularly with the COVID cases in Florida, really just ramping up. But so I wanted to get your first off your impressions of, um, the restart protocol in Disney world. Now that we have, uh, now that that document, 180 million pages, whatever it was, was basically leaked in full. And so I'm just knowing that the league is going to, to restart, like that's their plan. I, I think we can, uh, I don't know if we can all agree, but if you want to talk about whether they should be restarting, um, I think if safety was actually the number one priority, they would not be. But I think insofar as we look at it, that they're going to restart. I'm wondering what then your impression is of how they've set up this bubble and everything that goes into it. Well, I mean, it, it, of course, it's complex. The reality is this. Look, it's a business decision. Right. Uh, you know, it, it, and it's one that clearly comes with significant risk, you know, regardless of whether how many times, you know, folks tweet at you know, players or tweet at or about players being spoiled millionaires. Uh, they're people first. Uh, you know, so from the players to coaches and staffers, you know, park employees, it's all a calculated but fundamentally needed risk, you know, from a business perspective. Um, and and that's the part of the conversation that people aren't necessarily comfortable with just, you know, being, you know, being frank about. But, you know, the money and the potential market loss uh, that took place with the, you know, with the Mori situation with Hong Kong, as well as all of the all of this that has taken place over the last few months, you know, the, the revenue that has been lost over the last few months, as well as the you know, the potential for the, you know, for the, at least the threat of owners taking this opportunity to, you know, tear up the current CBA. This right. is a situation. This is a situation where they have everybody has to get back to business. Now, I'm not being callous in in any way in saying like, oh, hey, you know, uh, money over money over player safety. But I am being matter of fact about it. Right. That's what's taking place here. And I think, look, it's I, it's important to remember that the players want the money too. Like this isn't just a money grab by the owners. However, I will say, and Brian Windhorst has mentioned this a couple times, and he's way more informed than I am, obviously. But he's mentioned almost how the owners are going to be taking a hit doing this because, and that it's almost a favor to the players because they're recouping um, about $650 million in salary. The one thing I, I want to make clear is that this is worth it for the owners because even if they are mm -hmm. going to lose money, which I remain skeptical <laughs> that they actually yeah. will, uh, they're reinvesting at, at the bare minimum, again, in the future of the league because you don't want to go you know, close to a year or something without basketball and you have all these things happen, not just you know if the NFL season goes on, but we're going to have the election in November. You don't want people to forget about the NBA. And so they're reinvesting in the future of their game. And I, 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 I think it's, it's a money grab from both sides, but I don't want to, I don't like when it's spun that like, oh, well, like the owners are just going to be like, if the inclination is to defend the billionaires and all this, it's the same thing with MLB. <laughs> uh, it, it baffles me.
Yeah, I've I've never quite understood that, and that and that's why I let you know, like that's why I kind of came out the gates with you know, being matter of fact about the situation. You know, once you've acknowledged that, and once you have that acknowledgement out of the way, you know, like I really don't have an, an issue with the attempt, but we have to just be honest about what this is. Look, I, I I'm going to reference something that I just found on on Twitter. Yeah, you know, and, and forgive me for doing this, but it's related. Breaking. This is you know, this is about Florida. Another record day in Florida. <laughs> added, they added four thousand forty nine new COVID nineteen cases overnight. That's a twelve point three six percent positivity rate. So I say that knowing that these are the you know these are the circumstances. Now I will I will admit if I were a player, the one red flag, the biggest red flag that I still have is the report that came out that certain park employees yeah. that are going to be directly associated with the event won't be mandated to you know won't be mandated mandated to stay in the bubble or get tested with regularity. And to me, that actually just makes no sense. Right, because then you're poking holes in the bubble and it's not a bubble at all. And look, we could talk about how players make millions of dollars, but the employees, like you can't even, I'm not going to knock them for leaving the bubble, like to ask them to live in a bubble for that one when they're not making nearly as much. And technically, if we're being honest, the Disney employees and the NBA players should be getting like hazard pay or something because of the risks that they're all um, subjecting themselves to, even if it's willingly. I don't care that we saw the report that Disney employees have volunteered to stay in the bubble. Like, okay, great. Like, they're still the working class. Um, they mm-hmm. should be getting hazard pain. It's just the same with the NBA in general because they are, the players are taking a risk. And so I'm with you. That's the biggest thing. And I'm not an epidemiologist. And I know that a few of them have come out and complimented the, the NBA's plan and I guess spun it as it's as safe, I guess, as can possibly be. And I'm, you know, that's great, but I still don't understand, as you brought up, allowing so many people to to leave the bubble and then not at the bare minimum subjecting them to the same daily testing that the NBA players are going to get. Yeah, and to that point, you're exactly right. It shouldn't even be it shouldn't even be left up to them to volunteer. They should be absolutely compensated in advance. It should be, hey, look, we recognize the risk that you're going to be taking compared to the risk that the you know, you know that the athletes are going to be taking, and it's still the same risk. So let's go ahead and take care of these folks. To be honest with you, if we if the owners and the and the and athletes are being taken care of, why wouldn't you take care of the common man that's absolutely you know making the same type of sacrifice? Now, this uh, this will put you on the spot a little bit because I didn't mention this in the, the pre-questions that I sent you, but was there anything that came out like um, going towards the more, the more hysterical side of the luxuries or some of the way this is structures that you just found absolutely ridiculous, like you know the way they're going to wash the balls, um, anything to do with the hotels or anything that just stuck out, you saw it and you were like, okay, wow, this is just absurd. You know, I'm going to be honest with you. The only thing that was absurd about it is the fact that we found out about it. And, 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 and in my opinion, that's the owners. That's the owners putting that stuff out there in order to you know, continue to apply pressure to the players. And I thought that was a little bit gross. Uh, you know, any 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 time the players like any time the players wanted to you know, even even discuss something, it was immediately out there. And, and I get that, that. You know, they tell on themselves as well. But when I saw the owners basically putting it out there so that the public can say, hey, look, they're getting this. They're getting that. They're getting this. What are they complaining about? I, I, I wasn't comfortable with that. And I know that that probably doesn't bother a lot of people, but I'm going to be honest with you. It's exactly along the line of the types of games that, is, you know, that, that establishments have been playing and playing us for a long period of time. Yeah, there's a, the information that uh, reporters get, both from players and owners, is just absolutely mind-boggling. Mm-hmm. And like, I'm at the point where like, like Shams and Woj are on these player-only calls, <laughs> right? Like they're just the – yeah. I, I think J.J. Reddick said it on Bill Simmons' podcast recently where he – he was like Shams was tweeting verbatim what was said on this on the Zoom call. He's got to be there just recording it and then tweeting it out afterwards. Uh, I that's 
absolutely ridiculous in my mind. I, maybe part of like the leaks too is they want to see the public response because there's an optical uh, element of all this. And so if you get pushback on certain things, maybe you could go back and adjust. But I also tend to lean more towards you where it's uh, they, the owners also want to put pressure on the players, which is, uh, again, absurd in itself. The thing, mine's a little bit more lighter, but the thing that I still find absolutely ridiculous slash hysterical is it's mean that they're inviting the Wizards and the Suns back just to basically, <laughs> you know, be in quarantine and then have to j- be jettisoned before they're way before their families and friends would even be eligible to come. And now you're going to make them stay at at the Yacht Club, which is, look, for me, someone like me, that's fine. But they actually determine the quality of hotel amenities, basically, by seating um, in the standings. That is like, can we at least appreciate that a little bit? Like, that's the time that we're in, is that you now, the place that you're staying was determined by how much you won or lost during what was played during the regular season so far. I'm going to be honest, that's a little bit gross, but I actually get it. Like, they had, <laughs> like but it, so basically it's this. They they obviously didn't have the accommodations for everybody to stay, you know, stay equally. How else, how else are you going to break it down? You know what I'm saying? Like, how, how else are you going? Because, like, you know, you, you can't just say, like, well, hey, we like the Lakers. Hey, we like, <laughs> hey, we like this team. So, I, I you know, it, it may not be as clean as it, as, you know, as, you know uh, figuratively, it may not be as clean as it should be, but I, I get having to, you know, having to break things down, you know, to, you know, to things of that nature. Um, the other thing I want to ask you about, and I phrased it as were you at all surprised by the reaction to Kyrie spearheading the push for players to sit out so they could remain at the fore of the, the protests against police brutality and racial inequality. And I think really, I should have phrased it differently because it's definitely not a surprise. Um, I more just wanted your own reaction to it because it does seem, even if you don't like the messenger, because I know Kyrie has become a meme and for, you know, for some, in some ways, like he's deserved it on certain things, but this is not one of them. When the message is so clearly legitimate and you have other players like Avery Bradley, Lou Williams, Dwight Howard, they're all coming out and saying this, I, I don't understand like the inability to grasp it or where are, are people just so insecure about the, their sports getting threatened that they just don't even want to listen because this all seems like at least a topic worth talking about. And I, I would want to know whether you lean one way or the other of what the players should do. I'll never instruct them, but it does seem that it at least is a legitimate conversation and that he's speaking for a minority of players, but a large minority of players. And so I just, I don't understand. I guess I was a little bit taken about back about how widespread the resistance was to the, to the stance that, that he took. Well, you've got a combination of things going on here and we just need to be honest about it. You know, whether it's fair or not, credibility of the messenger is always going to be factored in. And, and I'm not saying, you know, I'm not saying one way or the other, I'm not begging anybody to, you know, love Kyrie as a person or as a player or any or anything, but I will, I, you know, but it, it is important to acknowledge the credibility of the messenger you know, was always factored in, especially when you're dealing with something so significant, you know, Kyrie raised some absolutely legitimate points and, you know, he clearly has other players with that have the same concerns, but if a majority of this or, or even a significant percentage of folks think that your motives are disingenuous, uh, then that obviously is going to derail the conversation. And we, and we saw that it clearly did. You know, I, I talked to Josh about this on, on our show and, you know, that's the most unfortunate aspect of it, but it's also a reality nonetheless. Yeah. And, and I, I think your point about the, the messengers is like the most sal- salient one of all. And that's a, by the way, this is another instance where like the leaks um, that are coming out of the group conversations with Nets players, whether that mm-hmm. was actually like, did it actually happen? But you have Taylor Rooks um, of Bleach Report <laughs> saying that Kyrie left the chat after that leak came out. And so it, it like adds a, a le- layer of legitimacy to it. And that's just another thing where it's like, not everything needs to be leaked so quickly. Like, 
I'm scold the owners too, but like if those are your teammates actually doing that, that's actually wild to me. They either lied on them or they or, or they or they to, or they uh, told on them. And either way, that's all bad, man. That's like like if I'm Kyrie, regardless of whether it was true or not, I'm leaving that chat because I, like at that point, I, I realized, oh, I can't trust these folks. I, they may be teammates for now, uh, but I cannot trust these guys. And and I'm going to go ahead and, and and step on out. But you know what? I should have also mentioned the second part of this you know, because you know, it is a combination of things. The second part of this and and, and a lot of the vitriol is the part that. Again, we don't like to acknowledge we're also bored. We're also right. restless. We're also frustrated and collectively tired. We, you know, we we want the NBA back. We need the NBA back. And 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 I know that sounds selfish, but I, I'm acknowledging what a lot of people just don't want to say. So we're willing to move certain goalposts in order to be more comfortable with things. I'm not judging anyone because, like I said, I'm right alongside it. I'm ra- I'm actively raising my hand right now. I'm just willing to acknowledge that that's that that is playing into a lot of people's reactions. Right, and it's easy for me to you know, say that the players should do whatever they want. But if basketball comes back and I would probably lean towards, I, I think that they could probably, I, I still don't honestly know what the right call would be, but I could say like, yeah, if they don't want to play, they don't want to play. But if basketball comes back and it looks like it's going to, I, I'm going to watch it. I'm going to cover it. So it's just, mm-hmm. and it's, it's going to interest me. It's, I mean, it's the, it's the Hong Kong stuff all over again, where we have to acknowledge how hypocritical we can be because yeah, I'm going to um, applaud Daryl Morey for coming out and speaking in favor of, of civil rights, but at the same time, I recorded that podcast from a Mac MacBook Pro and like where mm-hmm. MacBook Pros made. So <laughs> I, it's like this is sort of something similar. But I'm wondering, uh, for, in your opinion specifically, do you lean one way or the other on whether the players could send more of a message during this time by not playing or by using the platform they they'd have in Disney to continue drawing attention to the to the racial injustice and the protests. Well, I do want to state for the record that I don't fault anybody, you know, anybody that's of the opinion that staying away would be the best thing. If that's what you genuinely believe, then that's fine. I I don't necessarily align with it uh, specifically because I think, you know, because I think if you, you know, like if you stay away while that will be a story for a couple minutes, the rest of the league will be playing and they and people will absolutely be focusing on that and not on 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 what you're saying. But I'd really like to I'd really like to see the you know, the players as well as the league, as well, I like to see everybody use this platform and not just to maintain the momentum, but to spread it significantly further. You know, like beyond gestures, like putting Black Lives Matter on the floor or on jerseys or things of that nature that we've seen, you know, kind of thrown out there on Twitter, you know, it, which would be a nice wink or nod, you know, to the moment. I'd like to see players in the league and owners combine, you know, combine their platforms and resources to not only shine a light on this situation, but also initiate boards and projects and funds aimed at further support of both individuals and neighborhoods perpetually impacted by systemic by systemic racism and injustice you know like as we i kind of alluded to earlier like i've been asked repeatedly like what is a win you know what is it what does it look like when it when if we you know when have we progressed enough to you know like to you know to get back to sports i don't necessarily know that there's there's this magic button that you can push or like there's a you know there's a marker for that but i will say the win to me really is just you know maintaining this continuing this and just making sure that we don't lose sight of it regardless of whether we're playing or not i i want one thing clear i agree with you on everything you just said and i I think the one concern i have if everyone is playing is what are can they do something that won't be ignored because it's you know it can't be protesting during the national anthem i thought maybe even a really um what in my opinion would be a maybe a powerful gesture would be to not have the national anthem at the start of games but then that's putting 
as maybe as like part of whatever the NBA and the players co- collectively decide they can do, maybe as part of it that works. But that's something that I think is too easily tuned out. You know, you don't have to tune mm-hmm. into the beginning of games. And so it yep. needs to be something, and I don't know what this is, but to me, it needs to be something that is happening during the broadcast, whether you're having players who aren't in the bubble on the broadcast with the announcers talking about this, um, whether you're having activists on there as well. It needs to be something that people can't ignore because, yes, you're going to have all these eyes on you. And so I, I would lean towards, I, I think uh, that you can send a bigger message uh, against systemic racism while in the bubble. But at the same time, I don't know what you can do that uh, will ensure the, the message comes a- across and is smack smack dab in the middle of people's faces because there are certain things that again you pointed out like you know you could pay, put Black Lives Matter on the on the floors that's a nice wink and a nod but it needs to be something that's just more in our faces I don't know what that is but I'm of the belief that if you put enough of the creative minds together between the players and and the league itself they'll come up with something and one of the things you mentioned that I think would actually help is whether teams got their uh, responses right or wrong um, to Black Lives Matter, the, the protests that were going on. We saw a lot of cookie cutter ones. We know that the Knicks mm-hmm. are a shit organization still. Uh, <laughs> we saw the Wizards did a great job. It would, I mm-hmm. think it would mean more, at least from my end, if you do have the owners collectively like coming out and supporting their players, where it's not just the organization. Because we know, we know that some of these guys who are in yep. control of these NBA teams, we know how they voted, or we know where their political stances are going to be. But this really shouldn't be a political matter when you think about it. And so if there's something that, you know, between these, uh, I, I even hate calling them owners now, like these team chairmen, these governors, whatever, if there's something that can be done where it's clear that they're aligned with their players, that might send a bigger message than doing anything that's already been done. Or like you said, just those sort of wink and a nod gestures. You're 100% right. Like, it's funny because we've seen this in the NFL. They, uh, most of the NFL owners did not speak out. Like, they are, they're hiding behind the shield. They're hiding behind, oh, hey, we, we released a mass, a mass message. I would love to see that as well. I would love to see them not standing and, you know, not standing physically, you know, like, you know, like for a photo op, but standing up and actually, you know, taking action at this time, you know, you know, with their, you know, uh, with their players. Not just, you know, you know, not just releasing a statement or, you know, like, you know, like, as you alluded to, like some, some cookie cutter message actually putting some action behind those words that's why i said specifically actual projects in you know, you know within communities within neighborhoods mm-hmm. funding you know like you know funding you know funding restorative you know projects think how like you said get enough creative minds because i certainly don't have all of the answers and we're not going to you know we're not going to we're not going to quote unquote eliminate racism on this 50 minute pop you know podcast right. but if you get enough collective minds and enough folks with you know with an unlimited amount of a relatively unlimited amount of resources together i would imagine you can come up with something if you truly are interested in making a difference right and i really do hope that whatever they do decide like there's an element of it that's happening during the games because I've even the ideas that mm-hmm. players might address it during you know their virtual post game pressers that that's spectacular they should do it that's so like people are you know people are going to be watching what's happening on the court itself no matter mm-hmm. what so that's what I'm hoping they ultimately are able to figure out. I think that's a really good point because that's actually something that I hadn't even considered. Um, that you know, that, like the difference, and not that I hadn't considered it. Uh, I just hadn't. Yeah. Well, I guess yeah, I hadn't considered it. Um, people will absolutely tune out if you do post game pressers. They're gonna the, the people that the people that you need that message to get across to. They're the ones that are gonna tune out. Right. You and I will. You and I are gonna listen because we're interested in this. But but, yeah. but we we aren't necessarily the folks that need to be targeted at at, at this time. So no, I think I think that's an excellent point. Attention Hardwood Knox listeners, there is no shortage of action going on at our exclusive partners, betonline.ag. 
Sports are slowly making their way back, and Bet Online is leading the way with the best odds and lines for all UFC, NASCAR, boxing, and soccer matches. And if you need even more, they have simulated NFL, NBA, and UFC events all day, every day, live on their website. Looking for something else other than sports? BetOnline has hundreds of casino games, poker tournaments, and prop bets to check out. Visit BetOnline.ag and use promo code BLUEWIRE, all one word, for a free welcome bonus. That's one word, BLUEWIRE. BetOnline, your online wagering experts. Are you ready to talk about some actual basketball-related matters, though? I'm certainly going to try. (laughs) Um, It's been so long. Yes. (laughs) Yes. <laughs> so I'm bringing you on because I want to – the teams that are not in the bubble. And so full disclosure, I was just sending you – we're going to tackle the biggest question facing uh, each of the team, eight, eight teams that are not going inside the bubble. And full disclosure, when I sent you an email of mine, I included the Suns instead of the Timberwolves. So uh, I'm still apparently crapping all over the, the Phoenix Suns who – look, Washington and Phoenix should not be in the bubble or invited to that. I just don't think they have a, enough of a statistical chance for those games to matter. They get in a situation where they lose two straight games. It's effectively over. But look, they're there. So I apologize to Suns fans. I'm telling on myself here. But it was just so egregious because I didn't even realize it after I sent it. It was this. It was like an hour before we recorded. And I was looking at the email and I was like, I included the Suns on the list of non-bubble teams. That makes absolutely zero sense. So yeah. Dan, I think you're beating yourself up for nothing because, like, let's keep it real. And, and you know what? I've got plenty of you know, uh, friends and family that are actually Suns fans. They all know the deal. They, <laughs> they, they, they all, they all know. They, honestly, they're, they're probably hoping. Well, I hope you, I hope they still talk about them because <laughs> because they're going to want to know in two weeks in, or you know two weeks after the, you know they return the accident anyhow. So, did you want to start with? Uh, are you cool with going? You want to go in alphabetical order? Is there a team in particular you wanted to start with? You are the guest, so it's guest choice. Oh, no. It's all good. We can go right down the list. You, uh, you, you had Atlanta up first. I've got notes on Atlanta. All right. So what is your biggest question for the Atlanta Hawks? I think it, I think you hit it on the head. It, it was whether you – know, well, well, it's it's two, it's twofold. It's whether uh, Capella and Collins as a front court will work in the future and then whether you pay Collins moving forward. Like it, it, it has to, those have to be the questions because we all, you know, everybody pretty much agrees that Trey is special. Whether you love him or not, you at least acknowledge that that's a special talent that you know in in his second year can 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 still considerably improve uh, across the board. Uh, so that's not a crazy thought. So you know, for me, the focus really has to be everything you doing everything in your power to keep him happy and engaged. And NBA fans may not like to hear that. Yeah, it's a second year guy. He's under contract. Yeah, all of those things may be true, but the reality is your second year guy, like two games into his second year, I already stay there are already rumors that, right. that he wasn't necessarily the happiest of individuals there. So if if you have any interest, especially in a market like, like Atlanta, that you know it's not like you're just bringing them on in when it comes to you know the you know, special talent, you know, outside of the draft, you might want to you know uh, make sure that he's the you know he's happy with whatever decision you make. Yeah, and to Trey's credit, like this isn't he's he's ready now. It's regardless of where you fall on him, like what he can do on offense, he's a terrible defender, but what he can do on offense and you know, forget about like the shooting and the passing, but like he's shown that he can finish over bigger players. Like he has like, you know, knows how to get the height and arc on his floaters, and he's been better at the rim through two seasons than I thought he would ever be looking at just his size and build. And so this isn't a slow burn development. He is ready now and you as a player, if you are a star and he is an actual star, whether you think he's top 15, top 20, top 25, whatever, he's an actual star. And so he's ready now. And I think that's why you need to really confront these decisions. I think it's why you make a trade like the Capella one, because it's sort of win now and it, it gives you maybe someone who's a long-term um, pick and roll diving partner and, and he'll help 
you defensively. My concerns here, though, one, I tend to be more callous when I'm looking at um, upcoming restricted free agents. I understand that not all markets are created equally and, and flexibility doesn't matter the same to every other team, but you mm-hmm. can just match whatever offer John Collins is going to receive in restricted free agency next year. And so I, I always lean toward, you know, don't sign the extension. If you're already capped out and you're not going to have money that summer, then yeah, it's a nice gesture. But if you're not, which the Atlanta, unless they burn through all of their zillions of dollars of cap space this summer on the lack of talent that's available in free agency, they're going to have a ton. And so I'd wait because you do need to see how the Capella Collins front court works I do believe it will work offensively. Just John Collins mm-hmm. has shown enough. Um, I think he's more comfortable working from face-up positions off the dribble, and then he's shown that he can shoot the three. It's actually defense where I get a little concerned because I don't think Clint Capella is a fine rim protector, but I don't know if he's someone who can anchor an average defense on his own. And now if I don't know that he's also someone who's going to then cover up for what Collins does. I do think Collins is better off defending fours, but you need to have when Trey's also on the floors part of this, you're not giving mm-hmm. yourself a ton of versatility. So those other two wings on the court, um, you know, whether it's Hunter, Cam Reddish, uh, Kevin Hurt, like you need the utmost versatility there. And I do think Atlanta might have it, but you still need to see uh, if, if, if it's going to work. And so I wouldn't pay Collins this summer, the next summer I might, but I, I wouldn't pay him. I wouldn't give him an extension this year. And I'm curious whether you agree with that. I absolutely agree with that. Look, Capella's 25 years old. He's already locked in at a reasonable rate for the next three years. Collins, he's going to eventually, you would imagine he's going to want a significant raise, you know, once he's up. But you, like you said, you don't have to, you don't have to cross that bridge just yet. Uh, you, you have the ability to see if they're going to fit. And like you, I think that they can, I think they can fit offensively. Uh, Collins hit at 40% from deep, you know, basically on three and a half attempts from, you know, a night. You know, my, my question is, can he maintain that average? You know, if, if you stretch it out to six, seven attempts, uh, I, you know, you would think that he could, and if so, offensively, you know, that would be a good fit, but like, you know, but like you defensively, I don't know, uh, Capella weak side, you know, weak side, you know, defender, you know, rim protector. Yes. I haven't seen enough to, to truly believe that he's an anchor. And also given the fact that you, like you mentioned, you've got Trey on the, on the court, uh, you know, you've got Collins on the court, you know, your defense is really going to suffer unless those other two guys are just absolutely incredible from that side of, you know, from that side of the court. And while yes, there's potential, I don't necessarily see that from any of those three guys that you mentioned. Yeah, and look, I think the other thing is, is if John Collins wants a max extension, which it, it was made clear in a report from the Athletic earlier this year that he does, if, if you're not mm-hmm. getting a discount, I'm I'm always just wait. Like you can max them out yep. next year. So uh, we are. It does seem like we're on the same page there. That brings us to the Charlotte Hornets, which are, I, I, you know, I kind of, I, I guess I copped out on their question because it's who <laughs> to me. Look, they're rebuilding. I think, unless they think they're going to, they are going to have cap space this summer. So who knows? It is a, it is a Michael Jordan captain team. My question for them was who is their primary building block? And I say that because I don't think they have one. And so the question is, how do they get one? Because now you're staring at a draft class where you probably aren't going to land one and a free agency class where, Hey, it's great. You have all this money, but who are you spending it on? You can throw a max offer sheet to Brandon Ingram. The Pelicans are just going to match it. And from there, that's really the only kind of young youngish player that's worth throwing a, a ton of money at to me in this free agency class yeah the the, the the honest answer is they don't have one look i like Devonte graham a lot uh but you know do you keep playing him alongside rosier you know like do you eventually pay, you know, pay him in a couple years as well <laughs> it basically charlotte left me with non-stop questions because then i was left like can you you know can you win and i'm not talking about win a title we're not going to have that conversation can you win <laughs> in general with a backcourt that you you know, you know like uh, that is those two guys, or are you already looking to move on, you know, Rozier? 
Yeah, like I, I don't know. Like they, they they're you're never going to sign a guy straight out, you know, like a, a, a big name guy straight out. Because to be honest with you, unless it's like Steph Curry at the end of, at, at the end of his career, like you know, as as in a name, you know, going back to his you know home uh, home area, uh, you know, that's or Brandon Wade Ingram contract. Yeah, that's what he's got. You get. know what I'm saying? Yeah, ex- exactly. Or Brandon Ingram, like eight years from now, I just don't <laughs> think that's going to. I just don't think that's going to happen because, like you said, the teams can always just match whatever offer you know whatever whatever offer you have there. So really, you're going to have to hit the draft. You're going to have to be creative. In the process throughout the summer, you know they've got they've got. I, I did take a look at what they you know the, the assets they have. They've got multiple seconds and as well as their first over the next couple of years. You know if you aren't in love with any of the prospects or don't feel that you have you know don't uh, feel uh, you know quite as strong in your ability to draft, then maybe package those picks with some established talent. You know why not why not engage why not try to engage with Boston following the season? They'll have Hayward that's on the last year of his deal. Uh, you know and, and quite frankly they should the focus should should have already been you know uh, the, the Jalen and Jason, you know, stepping forward more there. So, you know, my question is, would they take back a Batum deal as well as a, and a young guy and some picks, you know, for you know, for an expiring Hayward deal? I'm not saying that that's the answer. I'm saying that that's the type of creativity that they're going to need to have. Yeah, that's a good point. And look, this is not. They have a. I think it's a 32 percent chance of landing in the top four of the draft, which hey, great. But they're slotted at eighth in general. And if you end up there, some of the players that are, and I haven't gone deep into my draft prep just yet. It's not happening till October, folks. So I have plenty mm-hmm. of time. But like you're going to end up with Tyrese Halliburton, Cole Anthony, Killian Hayes. Those might be the players that are available. And you don't necessarily – you could go with another one, but you don't need another guard on this team. And you brought up an interesting point with Devontae Graham. Super cheap next year, and then they have to mm-hmm. decide whether they want to pay him. And what's really weird – he well, it's not weird. I know his shooting percentages have plummeted since the, since the beginning of the season. But he's still so important of what they do on offense because he's really the only guy who can put pressure on defenses off the dribble. And if you look at the on-off shooting splits for certain players with and without Devontae Graham, including Terry Rozier, it is not pretty. And now you're in this weird situation to me where you're so dependent on Devontae Graham, who, good player, I, I think he could be, he's he's a real starter in this league. He's, he's very good. But he's also not the guy that you want to have so much of your livelihood tethered to, to where... What do you have to end up paying him in, in 2021? Uh, that's a question that they're going to have to ask internally as well. If it continues, you're going to have to max him out, and that's absolutely <laughs> nuts. And hey, look, hey, I'm all in favor of play. Hey, I'm I'm gonna get you checks, get yep. you money. I'm always in favor of it. But if you are maxing out Devontae Graham and you still have, you know, Terry Rozier on your books, I think he might be up at the, you know, at that time as well. But either way, if you're maxing out Devontae Graham and you're and you're still you know, kind of spinning your wheels two years from now, well, then you're going to end up being perpetually Charlotte. <laughs> that's a great way to put it. Perpetually Charlotte. And yeah, that's something I didn't even really consider. So that would be the final year of Rozier's deals, the first year mm-hmm. of um, – Graham's would be New Deal. If like they could feasibly have forty million dollars tied up in Jersey and Devonte Graham at one point, just it's for a season, but that's just still not ideal. I mean, if we're being fair, right now they have what like fifty million tied up between Batum, you know, who played like five minutes a game last year, and Rozier. But I, I don't want to pour salt on wounds. No, I, I agreed. I, I think you, I think ultimately you have to make a decision there. Graham is probably the choice. Uh, he's younger, cheaper, um, you know, uh, more, uh, you know, more workable uh, contract, obviously at this stage. Uh, but you know, then. I, I said it with a question earlier is because it's like, is there, is there, is there a, a, a team that, that would want Rozier back or that would, I say back because I had Boston in mind, but that would want Rozier. 
Uh, there were those rumors that I'm almost 100% sure were leaked from the Knicks' end because I don't know why the Hornets would want Julius Randle, but that's the idea that's been floated around is let's say the Knicks fail to max out Fred Van Fleet this summer and he decides to stay in uh, Toronto. I'm, that's something that they would consider, but I don't know why you would want Julius Randle. If you could send, look, I'm going to be honest, Rozier is fine, and I think he's shown that he can play off the ball well, but if you can send him into New York's cap space, if they decide to operate with cap space, I don't know why you wouldn't do it. Yeah, is Randall is Randall up after this year or after uh, next season? So he has a partial guarantee on his third year, whereas I, I believe Rozier's is fully guaranteed. That was still one of the more mind melting contracts. Of, again, I'm pro players getting money. Trevor Reese is one of my favorite of free agency guys because he just gets paid. He follows the money, and then he'll just get traded to a better team at midseason. So <laughs> shout out to having a dope agent, right? Like really, like if you if you get if you're a player that you know that, that has been in the league for a long period of time, uh, generally. You know, unless you're a superstar, generally you've got some really good representation, and Trevor Ariza is absolutely one of those. And so, yeah, if you're Charlotte, you could look at it and say, rather than pay Rozier 17 plus million um, in 21, 22, we have Julius Randle, who, yeah, he's on the books for 19.8, but only four million is guaranteed. They could look at it that way, but then you still have a year of Julius Randle with PJ Washington and Miles Bridges. I'm just not really sure where that gets you. It's it, it's it's not going to get you anywhere. You you maybe you know maybe you catch lightning in a bottle. Maybe Devontae Graham continues to develop. Maybe some of those other you know Bounce Bridge and some of those other guys continue to develop. And you have a team that's at least scrappy enough to be like a grit and grind. You know, you know first round out. I know that sounds like I'm being a jerk, but really that's a, that, that's a step up from where they are right now. So and, and it's at least you know uh, headed in the right direction. Uh, because then after that first season, after that one season, if it didn't work out with Randall, then you can always, you know, uh, you know, always let them let them walk and then uh, utilize that cap space. I am terrified for their fans of what might happen in free agency with them. Like you give the Hornets cap space, mm. it's a problem in general. But if you give them cap space as one of the only, let's say, four to six teams that have cap space, ooh, buddy, in a bad free agency class, <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Little, little kids running around Willy Wonka, you know, with Willy Wonka in the chocolate factory, just going nuts, eating everything, just you know, jumping in, you know, jumping in chocolate lakes. Doesn't matter. <laughs> Wait a second. As a matter of fact, oh my goodness, is Mitch Kupchak still the GM there? Yeah. Okay. All right. I mean, no disrespect, but at uh, at twelve oh one when free agency started in twenty sixteen or twenty seventeen, whichever year that was, that man went offered went ahead and offered a max deal to Timofey Mozgov, and then backed it up with a with a with a large deal to uh, Luol Deng. Oh man, thoughts and prayers, uh, Charlotte. Seriously, thoughts and prayers. <laughs> yeah, those were some puzzling deals, uh, right up there with the Knicks bidding against themselves for for Joakim Noah. Uh, so. <laughs> So yeah, um, that does bring us to the Chicago Bulls. What was your what's your biggest question for them? Man, they've got you know it's funny because you 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 asked like uh, you know is anybody that you know is there anybody that should be off limits or that or that 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 shouldn't be off limits, right? I looked at it. They've got seventy one wins over the last three years. Uh, you know, so it's difficult for me to see anyone being absolutely off limits. You know, I understand that they like you know that they may like marking in or Kobe White or you know Wendell Carter Jr. or whomever, uh, but no one you know no one is at this point. Uh, it doesn't appear that Levine you know, wants to be there long-term. And to be honest with you, as he's heading in, you know, he, he's at a relatively decent rate, right around 20 million a year for what he, you know, what he brings to the table for the next two years. And he's heading in and he's heading into his prime. You're in a rebuild situation. You might as well at least explore, in my opinion, you might as well at least explore the idea of moving him and seeing what you can get. Yeah. I'm, I think just because when you change, um, front offices it, it always mm -hmm. seems the new regimes want to leave their imprint on the roster. And so when I look at the bulls, I'm looking at 
probably Wendell Carter Jr. and Kobe White, and then this year's pick, since they're that front office will be the one making it. Those are the untouchables to me. And I I think you I don't know that you have to go into the scene saying let's burn the rest of this down. But mm-hmm. I'm absolutely shopping Zach, Zach Levine, who, look, he's good. If you put him as a number two or number three option where you're not leaning on him to be more of a ball mover, which he's just not, uh, I, mm-hmm. I think he's super valuable. And his contract is just, it's aged very well. I I was among the people making jokes about it when uh, they matched it. Once sac- I was making fun of Sacramento for offering it, and then we dragged Chicago when they matched it. That contract has aged very nicely. And so... Yeah. Uh, oh yeah, what? I'm just go ahead. It's just with two years left. I think now would be the time to probably get maximum value for him, especially when there's just this lack of star power, not only in free agency but really on the trade market. When you think about it, you know, when you said a hip, him as a two, I thought, well, what about him as a three? And then you followed up, obviously, with him as three. What about Zach Levine as that third option, as you know, for the Lakers, ne- you know, next year? I just what are the Lakers giving you for Zach Levine? I know it's tough, and and obviously, look, I don't, I don't do the whole like I'm going to pretend that I'm like a, a, a Twitter GM because I'm not. You know, like I, I it, it, for Might one, be the only person who's ever going to admit that. Well, because the truth of the matter is, for one, we don't we, like we can presume what we you know, what we you know, think the GMs or the team presidents or or whomever is making basketball decisions in the in you know in a, in a given organization. We can presume you know, we we can we can uh, you know, assume that we know what they what they how they feel about a prospect, but we have no idea. We have no idea if, you know, somebody in Bulls upper management says, you know what, I recognize that, you know, it, it probably makes a lot of sense for Zach Levine to be moved, but I just love that guy. I love the way that he can, you know, that, that he's, you know, that, that he plays for us or however, you know what I'm saying? Or you also never know, you, you never know what, you know, what other, you know, what GMs may have down the line. One thing I will say is this, if you're the Lakers or if you're another team, any other team that is looking to get, you know, you know kind of like you know, get, put yourself over the top. Or or distance yourself from somebody else. I think Zach Levine is absolutely the first, tar- you're one of the first targets that I would try to go for this offseason. This isn't a team where he would put them over the top, but I think because they have at least some other offensive options, he can slide into more of a number two role. But Zach Levine might look nice in Orlando, where you have Vooch, and we've seen mm-hmm. some development from Markel Fultz. At the very least, you're going to surround him with a lot better defenders. And so, I mean, if he's there with Evan Fournier, there might be more proven outlets. You know, maybe Kobe White becomes that level of player anyway. But just looking at what Orlando can do defensively and how much they need, pretty much everything Zach Levine does on the offensive end, just that guy who can go get you a bucket from scratch, hit these tough threes, open the floor up for everybody else, even though, you know, his Zach Levine has the assist numbers, but I don't look at Zach Levine as like this expert passer. That's a team that I always thought he might be a nice fit for. You know, that's actually a really good point. I could absolutely see him fitting there. And as soon as you said that, I thought, well, what about in Phoenix as well? Because I would love to see that pairing alongside Booker. And like you, he's not necessarily a playmaker, but he's a guy that, you know, because you know, because he's going to draw so much attention because he's got the balls in his hands so much. I'm speaking of uh, Levine here. Uh, uh, he, he's he's going to you know, have opportunities to set somebody else up. So, yeah, I, I wouldn't mind to, you know, like, of course, you know I'm being a homer when I, you know, when I even referenced, you know, the Lakers getting them. Uh, <laughs> I would love. Hey, look, I'm honest about mine. Um, I, you know, but but so, but I would love to see him in in a situation like Orlando or like you know in a Phoenix, you know, the, you know who uh, you know who will be left out of this conversation because of course they are in the bubble. Um, yeah. Uh, yeah. You know, it, it would be it would be fun to see him, you know, in a better situation and, and as, as well as well as giving the flexibility back to Chicago. And you know, maybe not the. The Lakers situation specifically, I don't think they would have the the asset cloud to get him, but a team like that that is going to be competing for something, just so we can get, this is selfish, you know, I want to mm-hmm. see, can we know if Zach Levine is going to help a good team win? 
And like maybe the Nets, when they go third star hunting on the trade market this mm-hmm. summer, I don't know that he's what they need when you have Kyrie and KD and you also have other shot creators with Dim Witty and, and Karis Levert. But the Nets could actually put together a fair trade package for him, particularly if the Bulls like Levert. And then maybe you're worried about what Kevin Durant can do uh, you know, from square one when he's coming back from that Achilles injury and you know Kyrie's banged up. Perhaps that's a team. Uh, they don't really have the defense to cover up for him. But I, I want to see him on a team that's going to compete for something where he would be. Uh, number three would be ideal, but even the number two, because let's see if, yeah, I don't think he's an empty calories guy, even though those are the teams that he's capitalized Mm -hmm. on, but like, let's put that to the test. And he's really, he's not in a position to do that in Chicago right now. And I don't know that they're going to get there uh, for quite some time. And the last thing on them is I think I might be out on Lori marketing, Larry marketing. I'm not sure if it's because of Boylan and the injuries, but I just haven't seen enough, enough growth from him on the offensive end where he looks like a more dynamic player, someone comfortable putting the ball on the floor. And I know, look, he hasn't been in the best position. Uh, The season before this one where they were just giving him all these grenades late in the shot clock in the post was just terrible decision-making. But at some point, I do feel like he has to bear a brunt of this responsibility. And I think with his extension coming up, he would definitely be someone, if I'm them, I'm looking to move. Yeah, if, if that's actually why I mentioned him first, you know, when when I first started answering this one, it's because look, I like Laurie, you know, Laurie Markkinen, and you know, forgive me if I keep on uh, butchering it, you know, butchering. His I name. go between his first name. I, I think I've heard announcers say it too many different ways, so I try exactly. to apply the phonetic pronunciations on basketball records, but I vacillate between like Lowry and Laurie. Like it's it's bad. <laughs> so Markkinen, Markkinen, yeah. he would be the. Guy. He would be the guy as well. Um, kind of like with the, you know, kind of like with the Collins situation in Atlanta. You know, you know, maybe, maybe give it another half a year, maybe give it or, or give it this year and make that, you know, make that determination. But you know, if his body's not going to be able to hold up, or, or you know, he simply, you know, it's simply not necessarily the best of situations for him. I probably would, I probably would look to move him as well. Moving on to Cleveland. Uh, yeah, I mean, I'm with you there, by the way. And I just, I don't know what he's going to command. Maybe Dario Sarge's market this year might be a good uh, barometer for it. Although there's really no cap space. So that might actually be a terrible cage to see what he gets. But if he wants more, you know, if you're more than 448, like you, I think you have to start looking at, at jettisoning him. If he wants more than yes, you do need to. Moving on to Cleveland. This was my question for them. I'm not sure if you have a more nuanced one. Are they actually rebuilding? Like, we need to figure this out. Kevin Love is still there. They traded for Andre Drummond, who's definitely opting in. And, yeah, you have these three young guards. You're going to have another highest draft pick this year. But so long as you have Drummond, and look, Drummond can clean up all the misses that these young guards are going to rack up. But, <laughs> like, are like, what is happening here? <laughs> yeah, man, I looked at that roster, and it was basically full of guys that literally made me go like, hmm, okay, he's there, okay. Oh, that's you already paid J- Jetty, like, so it's like, okay, like, is he part of like a rebuilding team? Like he really isn't because I don't think he's going to be that great, but you've already extended. It's just, it's such a weird situation. Yeah. They've got talent there, but none of it fits, you know, part of, part of it's understandable. Like you know, look, they still have three or four LeBron roster guys and the LeBron roster guys really only fit with LeBron. And, and, and that's not a knock. That's just a reality. Uh, you know, but you know, you, you've got, you have to rebuild slowly kind of surrounding that, that old structure. Uh, and that's always going to look funky. You know, I like Sexton and Garland. Um, I'm intrigued by, you know, uh, Kevin Porter Jr. But ultimately is, is the idea to continue to build around those three? Because if that's the case, you've got six, one, six, one, and six, four. And I recognize that, you know, we, we, you know positional basketballs is, is not a thing anymore. And I recognize that, we, you know, the courts are spread and, and shooting, you know, shooting is, you know, shooting is, you know, is the primary focus or at least you know, in certain circumstances, but 
that that seems like a recipe for disaster unless you've got you know, you know kind of like like with the Atlanta thing unless you've got two just you know incredible Kevin Garnett like you know, uh, of you know versatility defenders at the other positions part of me just you know wonders how that how that's ever going to work and like you said Dr- Drummond is absolutely going to you know, going to you know sign back up so you know really what are they doing there I I, I know I gave you that was a lot, a lot of word vomit to say I have no idea what they're doing there but I have no idea what they're doing there that's the only way to talk about the Cavaliers at this point though is word vomit and uh, it'd be so bizarre if they end up resigning Tristan Thompson too because that was they already have Larry Nance under contract as well and they didn't move or like broker a buyout with Tristan Thompson my guess would be he leaves but if you have Drummond opting in opting in and him coming back and then things get really thorny what if they end up drafting another guard in the draft because I like Sexton I'm probably higher on him than most I think my favorite young player that they have is Kevin Porter Jr. though uh, just Mm -hmm. looking at what he can kind of do off the bounce and, and showed flashes of even as a secondary playmaker too, perhaps. However, I'll fully admit that him, Garland, and Sexton are not good enough for them to say, no. well, we're not going to take a guard in this year's draft. And so if they end up in a position where um, Anthony Edwards, you can call him a wing, that's fine. But let's say Anthony Edwards is already off the board and you you don't end up with the second or third pick. And like if LaMelo Ball is just still on the on the board or do they take him? And then, then what happens from there? Do you actually go into next season with all four of those guys on the roster? There are a lot of guards though, at the top of this draft. So not even Lamella specifically, but what happens if they wind up taking another one? Honestly, if one is out there, that's better than the options that you currently have. You have to take them. And and while that's going to feel very, very David Kahn, Minnesota, uh, you're you're going to have to, you're going to have to figure that out. Um, it, it, It may be as simple as this. If you're in that position, Take your pick with you know like uh, you know two two of the three that you got left and, and and move forward or maybe even you know maybe even the idea of packaging a couple of those guys that you have less and, and move forward. But then again, I guess again it depends on how much they're in love with these guys, and you just never know because like what they say publicly is never what is actually yep, <laughs> the case yep. you know, behind closed doors. I would be curious what they could get for Colin Sexton on the trade market. You never see rookies like or guys on their rookie contracts like him get moved you know where he has two years left before restricted free agency i'm just curious particularly in this draft would you get another really high pick are you getting a primo 2021 pick i'd just be curious to see what uh the going rate for him would be if they just made him available i don't think i don't think alone that you know you're getting much but maybe if you would attach an expiring you know larger deal uh you'll make it worth the other team's while you can get something for him i i think i think it's i think Moving forward, I think a lot of deals will you know will inv- include that, yeah, especially with this team. Yeah, no, that's a good point, and that's the problem. That's why these guys don't get traded is because they're so valuable relative to their to their pay scale. Uh, maybe this draft class will be the exception because if you have to pay the number one pick, whatever it ends was it four years and fifty million dollars, basically there are obviously two team options attached to that, but that's actually a little bit scary when you're looking at this this draft yeah. class. The next team we have is the Detroit Pistons, who might be might deserve some more word vomit, um, but. Uh, what's your question for them and new new GM Troy Reaver? The question is, what are you going to do? Is it going to be a, like just what you said? Is it going to be a full rebuild, or are you going to continue to pretend that you you know, hey we're going to be competitive with having guys like Blake Griffin on our roster? Like I, I they've got some interesting pieces in you know Seku. I'm not going to butcher his last name. Uh, Makai Luke and I actually like Christian Wood. I'm not saying that any of those are franchise guys, but I my thought would be the first thing that you need to do is 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 make the decision to go ahead and move Blake and mm-hmm. you know, get him healthy. Make sure he's healthy because when he's healthy, he's still highly effective. Uh, you know, whether it's, you know, uh, engaging with a Miami or get, engaging with an OKC or however you want to do it, you know, I'm going to throw Phoenix back into that mix because, you know, the, you know 
Phoenix and Toronto around the league, while yes, everybody's got medical staffs, everybody's got great, you know, you know or, or, or got reputable training staffs. For whatever the reason is, those two franchises, you know, they, they kind of stand out. If I'm Blake Griffin, I wouldn't necessarily mind, you know, mind having a run with one of those franchises. And he met with them during free agency before he resigned with the Clippers, too. Yeah, I, I honestly think like the very first thing that needs to take place is you go ahead and you move on from Blake, and and, and that sucks because Blake, you know, like this is not a this is not a oh Blake Griffin sucks situation. It just means Blake Griffin is a is a is a, a guy that you add to a team that's already ready to go. That you you know that you did you want that vet you know that vet guy that can still play that puts you over the top, and not the guy that you that you're going to say we're going to rebuild around this guy right now and in year like ten. That I think I would agree with you if I didn't think it was going to take a, a pretty like sweet sweetener to get Blake off the books. Uh, two years, seventy five point eight million left. You're probably, I think, you're right. Thinking along the lines of, can you, if he's healthy to start the season, can you build up his value and then move him at the deadline? It's even if it's a salary wash and you're just taking back expiring as you come out on top. But right now, I don't even know if you attached Luke Kennard to Blake Griffin. I don't know if you'd get a team to take him. Maybe Phoenix because they showed interest in um, mm-hmm. Luke Kennard to begin with. But that's. That that's the, the the price that you would have to pay to get Blake off the books. I'm not sure if it's worth it to Detroit when they you are going to be entering a rebuild, so you can't give up picks. Maybe Kennard, though, would be the line just because he's extension eligible himself and has the arthritic knees, apparently. That would be I, the question I'm asking if I'm Troy Weaver is, what would it take to get Blake off the books right now? I think if there's any chance whatsoever that you can attach Kennard to him, and I, and I mean no disrespect, Pistons fans, because I can already see Pistons fans getting mad. I'm not paying Luke Kennard moving forward, so if if, if I'm the guy, I'm definitely looking <laughs> looking to, looking to do that. Uh, yeah, like if if that's a possibility, you know, at all, it's something that I would explore. And it look. I'm a little bit more like kind of like you. I'm a little bit more callous when it comes to paying guys. Like I want people to get paid, but I'm just not willing to just say like, oh, well, hey, we got to pay somebody. So, right. you know, let, let's just go ahead and do it. Um, you know, and, and if Phoenix is willing to be that, if Phoenix is willing to be that team that does it, hey, you know, at, you know go ahead and what's what's my man's name? Um, uh, LeBron's buddy. Oh, <laughs> James Jones. James Jones. James Jones. I mean, no disrespect. I it, it really slipped my mind, but I knew if I said it that way, you would know. I'd get James Jones on the phone. Yeah, um, and the way to go for me, though, might be let it leak into the regular season because maybe then you don't have to give up as big of a sweetener. Or, you know, and I'm I'm not trying to pick – well, I don't care about picking on them, but the Knicks are star drunk all the time. If they end That's up true. if they end up um, not signing a big name in free agency or even if they end up poaching a Fred Van Fleet, like they just might want to get another big name at some point. And if it's, you know, per, perhaps they prefer CP3 or, or Kevin Love. But if Blake is playing well, that's another team that you could just see talking themselves into Griffin. Um, there is the Jordan brand connection with the Hornets – too mm. is that a team that just gets so desperate for a star i think i'd commit myself though going if i'm detroit going into the regular season to seeing what griffin looks like uh because i don't think you hurt you, you know i don't i don't think he's great but i and it, if he's if he's healthy all he's going to do is help you contend for the playoffs which isn't the worst thing in the world and if he's if he's not even if he's still really good i don't think he's a player that can just single-handedly ruin um your, your rebuild because he is a good passer and i also don't know that he alone guarantees you you know 34 wins and that you're stuck on that sort of a hellish treadmill so that's actually, and that's a great point, but that's actually the reason why I would look to move him because I do think if he's healthy, he does help you compete. And then you're just in first round out you know, uh, uh, purgatory. Sure. I'm not saying, I'm not saying that, you know, I'm not poo-pooing you know, a playoff berth because of course, you know, fans like, look, at the end of the day, fans either want to know that, you know, that you're building something, you know, that's going to be special down the line, or they at least want some sort of success, <laughs> you know, something, yeah. something to be happy about. So I get it. So, so if they ultimately determine, let's go ahead and 
and keep him in the mix because, you know, he's already on the books. Uh, even if this isn't necessarily his favorite place to play, he's already made the adjustment. He's here. We have him in fold. And, and, and he is like you like you mentioned, he's a very good passer, very good you know, distrib- distributor uh, you know, for his position. You know, obviously, he's worked on the range. It's it, it, you know, he, he's he's the type of player that I would want on my team. I just unfortunately, I, I wouldn't want him at that at that cap number. No, I'm totally with you there. Uh, Detroit's offseason is going to be interesting. And as you already mentioned, Christian Wood. I still think he might get more than a mid-level exception in this market, and I actually think he's worth it. I'm, I'm about as high on him, it seems, as you are. Yeah, yeah, no, he. So, someone's going, someone's going to offer him some money. So, yeah, I mean, it, it's really going to be a matter of whether Detroit, you know, yeah, how much they see him as a part of their future, and, and how will, you know, how high, how high they're willing to go. That's the. But if, if I'm picking a free agent where I think Charlotte might overspend on, I'm looking at Christian Wood. Like that's the guy that I could see them just going like. Um, a cuckoo for, uh, and I, it wouldn't surprise me if they came like over the top with something egregious that Detroit just isn't going to be willing to to match. And if they do that, okay, again, again, get your money. But Christian Wood and Rozier are are your cornerstones. <laughs> I, I again, I'm not. I I, I promise. Perpetually I'm not Charlotte, as you put it. <laughs> there you go. There you go. <laughs> Next up is Golden State. The question I have for them is, and it's loaded because we don't know where they're going to land in the draft just yet. But what should they do with this year's? draft pick and i'll frame it in the context of maybe you have just a more um clear-cut answer where it's they should keep it or they should just move it but like if you're looking for the return like this isn't a pick that's going to get you Giannis. so like we can we can throw that off the table but if it's if you can get an aaron gordon or jonathan isaac if, if that's the type of player you're looking at are you moving that pick or are you just holding on to it and then hoping you kind of strike lightning in a bottle with that prospect who either one sort of helps alleviate the burden on your aging star's shoulders moving down the line, or perhaps he turns into an even better trade asset because people won't be as low on him if he develops properly relative to just how unfavorably this draft class is viewed right now. That's a dicey choice, man, because like, let's be real. If they get a guy in there and he's just, eh, well, then they totally just wasted it because and, and, and not only did they waste the pick, but they wasted, uh, you know, the, the last couple years of Steph and Clay and, the, you know, and, and that whole, you know, the, you know, that whole group. So me, to be honest with you, I would either I would be open to the idea of moving it for like a Gordon or moving it for you know somebody of that nature, you know, somebody of that level. If they if they felt if they felt that that would be a good fit. Uh, I don't necessarily know if, if they if they see Gordon as that, but you know, I, I would be intrigued by it. But. Honestly, again, and not to be, you know, not to be Twitter GM, why not try to be on that? Why not try to sw- you know, swing for the fences? You know, you know, think bigger and better in this. Uh, what about the idea of packaging that pick with Wiggins or with a Draymond? And I recognize how cold hearted that sounds, but they they never should have signed uh, Draymond to that, you know, to that extension. Um, I, yeah, I and then what, happened, why- what did he did he like a tweet that was like uh-huh, uh, uh-huh. dragging uh, Aisha Curry? That was like that. I know we. Uh, as NBA Twitter members, we do sensationalize these things. I do it normally in jest, and then I recognize there are people who take it too seriously. But like, that's an actual. That seems like an actual problem. That's a that's a real problem. And, it's, and the thing of it is, is this: like, you, we 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 all know what takes place. We we don't have to pretend like, oh, it was a mistake or whatever. He saw that and said, like, yeah, that's right. And and, <laughs> and, and, and even if he thinks that way, you out of respect to your guy, you should you you, you at the very least you think. Yeah, maybe I shouldn't, or maybe after you know, maybe after it comes out, I'm gonna at least lie about it or or, or try to save face. Nope, he just left it there. Dude, he at just least left triple it there. check that you're on your burner account. That's all. Yes, yes. I'm glad you mentioned that because you know, KD is not the only one with burners. 
You know what I'm saying? Oh, <laughs> like, for sure. All these guys have burgers in some way, form, or fashion. All, let, let me do, let me let me throw a name out here, and this is going to be the part where every all of your listeners are like, you know, I was going to consider listen, you know, taking a listen to this guy's show, but this guy's an idiot and get this jackass off the show. I'm gonna throw this name out there. Tell me, Fertitta is in a situation oh, where he is in just <laughs> dire straits financially so his current now, situation <laughs> yeah no 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 I'm, I'm describing exactly as it is how long before teams start to say why don't we just go pry james harden out of there because i recognize that he is houston and 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 those and what he means to that fan base i recognize that i'm not in any way saying that this is this is the you know like you know, coming to this decision is going to feel good but if you're going to ever maximize what you've got out of him, like say that, you know, say they go through these playoffs, they don't win again. I'm not saying that the run is over. What I'm saying is I'm the type of person that I want to sell high. I never want to sell low. How long before a team says, Hey, let's go ahead and see what, you know, what type of package it actually would take. Look, I think that's an, a valid question. I'm just not sure how much it would apply to the warriors because I don't know what else are you offering besides this pick to get James Harden. You can go really distant into the future, I suppose with your uh, first rounders and you also have that Minnesota pick, I just don't know, you know, your salary anchor in that is obviously Andrew Wiggins. I think they could probably get better offers than what the Warriors could, could sling. Um, maybe if this is something that Houston, let's say Houston isn't good next season and you're getting closer to the trade deadline and the Warriors still have that prospect and he's playing really well. That's when mm -hmm. their trade package becomes more attractive. And that, this is the rare situation where their pick is almost less valuable before it turns into a player than it would be if they have a chance to develop that player. There's a chance that it's not, but because this draft class is so, uh, like everyone just really isn't that high on it, even towards the top, that's the sort of situation they're in. And so I, Houston specifically, if they're in that situation, there should absolutely be teams calling, particularly if they um, flame out in the in the bubble playoffs, whatever we're going to call them this year, or if they start mm -hmm. off slow next year, I'm absolutely calling Houston to ask about that. Yeah, I, I certainly would, but I'm going to I'll throw another name out there it, with relation to golden state. What did he, what did, what does a Steph clay and Beal uh, lineup look like to you? It, I, I think it would look good. What happens to the defense in that scenario though? Because I'm assuming you would give up Wiggins in that deal. I, I wouldn't give up Draymond green and yeah. the pick. It would be Wiggins. So be Wiggins. now you have just no, I mean, you have clay, but you just don't have another wing defender than besides them. And Andrew Wiggins is not good on defense. So I, I was like sitting there like, wait a second, Dan. Dude, He's at least a wing body is what I'm saying. Bradley Beal is, is not. The name I was going to throw to you, it was two names. So let's say you dangle Andrew Wiggins and then you use the pick after it turns into a salary. What if you offer that to Philly for Josh Richardson and Tobias Harris? Ooh. Ooh, put, putting together a, a a a solid roster. If I'm Golden State, I do that. Because, look, I, I'm going to be full disclosure. I was all all over Team Wiggins for the for, for the first you know five years of this phenomenon. Yeah, going back to high school. <laughs> I, it, it it look. I hope I'm wrong on him. I hope he does turn into the guy that we all kind of like anticipated him turning into. And let and, and let's be clear, Andrew Wiggins is a good offensive player. Like he's a he's, he's a guy that can score you some buckets, right? But he was supposed to be better than that. He was supposed to be significantly more than that. Um, I also don't think you need to apologize because what is he seven years into his career at this point? Like there's yeah. no you don't need to apologize for being lower on him now. Like we've we've passed the point. Oh, six years now. Excuse me. So like we're past the point where yes, okay, he's still. Uh, he's just 25, but yeah, you've been in the league more than a half decade. We can, he's, I don't think he's good overall. He's, I think he's probably 
he could be fine offensively, but he's just it's not even that he's not as good as he's supposed to be. He that was a whiff. Like he's been yeah. he's been a whiff. <laughs> Yeah, he certainly he just has been. He has been. And you know what? No need to even pile on him. I I, I would look I would look to move on him. You know, uh, before things even got started. And I look if the Warriors are confident in their ability to develop players, that's great. But you know, I think let's just look at D'Angelo Russell. How they they were out on him pretty quickly <laughs> after maintaining that they weren't going to be. So, well, the thing of it is, is we all saw that. We all looked at that and said, like, well, hey, even if Seth's healthy, what's that backcourt look like? They they can't defend anybody. They don't have Clay there to protect them. They don't even have Katie. What is this? Like that, that's how <laughs> that's how I was looking at that situation. And then I allowed honestly, I allowed Josh to talk me into it and talk me into, hey, you know, you never know if they get go. Yeah, we, we, we saw what that was. And look, I'd love to be wrong because if Wiggins ends up being that guy out of nowhere in year seven, cool. It's not going to happen. <laughs> you just said it too, year seven. That's what's just comical. Look, at least I guess they've kicked the can where it's you could see what Wiggins and the Minnesota pick turns into. So you can the jury could still be out, but I'm, I'm totally with you there. Uh, the team that I excluded when I first sent you the, the blueprint for this podcast was the Minnesota Timberwolves. My biggest question for them, curious if you agree, would be what? who are you putting around um, D'Angelo Russell and Carl Anthony Towns, specifically in the front court? I feel like it's really important. Like The idea of a James Johnson, but not actually James Johnson, is it feels like who who they need. It's a guy who could defend both fours and fives, and then but also dribble and space the floor. It seems like they need that player. <laughs> they need wings in general. And again, it's like a James Johnson player, but who's not James Johnson is kind of where I'm at. You know who they could use? Robert Covington back. <laughs> <laughs> like that type of player. Like th- th- those are the type of guys you ha- you, know, you you just hit it. They you know they got to be able to defend multiple positions. They've got to be able to sh- you know they got to be able to space it a little bit. They've got to be able to you know do a little bit of playmaking. Do kind of like jack of all trades type you know type deal. And they just you know they just shipped one out. And now hey look they they did what they had to do whatever. Um but yeah they they, they need those types of guys. And, I, and as I'm sitting here trying to think on the spot, who's out there that's that would even be available? Like, here's the sad thing. They need those types of guys, but I could see them going at, going and getting like a Kuzma. You know what I'm saying? Oh, like, and, 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 and look, like, you know, for the Lakers fans that are, you know, Kuz supporters or, or whatever, they're going to be mad that I said it. Y'all know exactly what I'm talking about. There's a different <laughs> thing. Like, y'all know exactly what I'm talking about. There is a difference between those types of players. Look, I appreciate Lakers fans, just the, the their commitment to thinking, some of them, thinking how good Kuzma is. We, we had... I don't, we said something about Kyle Kuzma on one of the podcasts. I think it was fair, but it was pretty low on him. And we got one starred. So we, we we never had so many one star reviews pouring at once, which I kind of respect that they're that hey, passionate about Kyle Kuzma. I'll tell you the truth, man. Like, and, and we I'm, I'm stating the obvious. It's like saying, you know, uh, uh, water's wet and you know, fire's high. Lakers fans ride for theirs, man. Like, <laughs> like no other like no other so let me clean this up a little bit and say Kyle Kuzma is a talented player but Kyle Kuzma is the opposite type of player as what a Robert Covington is Kyle Kuzma is a guy that you know I I actually think you know from a uh, personality uh, standpoint he would go there and fit well I think he would get along with Cat I think he would get along with D'Angelo and I think it would be good from that perspective Uh, but you know some of the grit and grind and you know some of you know some of the intangibles that you that you would need from that position uh, you're not necessarily going to get out of that you're out of that player. Yeah, they probably need. I'd be. I want to see them play Jared Vanderbilt next year. I don't know if he is that guy, but I really like Jared Vanderbilt. Plays with a lot of energy and really gets up and down the floor and and super mobile on defense. Um, but they probably need like a like a Jeremy Grant. I I don't think they could afford mm-hmm. him if he enters free agency, since all they have is the MLE. But that's probably the type of player that they need to target. I don't think you can go with another big. I I briefly entertained. You know, if if Philly's just willing to give away. 
Al Horford, could he work with Towns? Maybe, but I think you need mm. to you need to tilt more towards like the 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 combo big wing end of the end of the spectrum where it's like a Jeremy Grant again James Johnson but not James Johnson <laughs> exactly no no I fully agreed and, and again I'm like I'm sitting there thinking like who who could they potentially get but yeah no someone along those lines for sure Paul Millsap would be great he's gonna be a free agent yes. but they they can't offer him more money than these other teams so I'm throwing out these names that just they'd be great but I'm probably just throwing out Nuggets former Nuggets and current <laughs> Nuggets uh, but, well, but- well, Millsap would be great, but to be honest with you, they need a couple of that level of the, of guys. You know what I'm saying? I know, yeah. and I I recognize it starts with one. So I, I'm, I, you know, beggars can't be choosers, and we can't be greedy before you even before you even get to you know, get to the party. Yeah. But yeah, the, 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 but I agree; those are absolutely the types of guys that they should be uh, what, should be targeting. What if Sacramento was willing to just for filler give you Harrison Barnes? Do you consider that if you're Minnesota? Harrison Barnes has shown that he can you know that he can be a contributor on a winning team. Like and and I know that sounds disrespectful to just you know break it down to that, but at the very least, that's something that we can't necessarily say for a lot of people that have played for Minnesota or currently on that roster. So I would consider it. It's not the sexy name. It's not the oh my goodness. So yeah, we got Harrison Barnes, but Harrison Barnes is a quality player that you know would would instantly be you instantly be in the in in their mix of best players. Yeah, that's. Uh, I, if I was them, I might think about it, and that would that might be the ceiling on the type of name they could acquire when looking at their assets. Uh, the final team who will not be in the bubble it is not Phoenix. Shout out to Phoenix Suns fans. The New York Knicks. I think the question for them is pretty obvious, and it's a broken record. Do they maybe, possibly, perhaps, finally, at long last, have the stomach for a gradual rebuild? Is that would you agree with that question? And what is your answer to that question? Man, I don't. I really don't know. Again, not being funny. Look, so the move to bring in Leon Rose and the CAA connections, you know that that provided some hope for me. I'm not a Knicks fan, like just to be clear. But as as somebody that has to listen to Knicks, look, fans I don't think Knicks fans here, should be identifying as Knicks fans at this point. This, this is true. Paper bag. Hey, you, y- y'all, y'all are paper bag status, but that's never going to happen. Knicks fans, they ride for theirs too. But as someone that has watched from afar and seen how terrible the organization has been, by and large, for the better part of thirty, you know, thirty plus years, I know they've had some runs. Um, I, I was, I, I was, you know, I was at least optimistic when I saw that. So, you know, if the, if he's able to pipeline some of the CAA talent in there, whether it's you know, and I'm just going to throw some out there: Booker, Embiid, uh, Chris Paul, who's you know, who's always been rumored out there. The name that I'm going to say that people are they, people are going to be able to get upset. Yes, it is related to the stuff that's going on right now, but it's not because of the stuff that's going on right now. I think it's more of a you know straw that broke the camel's back. Watch for Donovan Mitchell to be in another market within the next year and a half. Yeah, what, look, Gobert Mitchell is getting moved at some point. Yes, it, yes. That seems like fate to complete. There are a lot of Jazz fans that listen to this podcast. I don't think it's um, – I would personally – Gobert is the more valuable player right now. I think Mitchell uh, is easier to just build around looking at how the league has been shaped. I just don't see – and it's not just about the COVID stuff. I think uh, this oh. might have been the Jazz's year, and maybe, maybe they look at it as maybe perhaps next year, but if they – Look, you don't have Boyan Bogdanovich in this year's playoffs. Mike Conley doesn't look right, and so you're going to have him on the payroll next season still. If if they have a disastrous playoffs where I don't think the expectations have to be lowered without um, uh, Boyan Bogdanovich in the lineup. So I get that. But if you have another situation where Joe Ingles even struggles to hit some wide-open threes, Donovan mm-hmm. Mitchell isn't great, uh, and Mike Conley's just still not right, something to me there is going to happen because now they've shelled out a ton of money. Mitchell's coming up for his new deal. Gobert's going to be up for his new deal as well. That's a team, I, I think you hit it right on the money. There, I, there'll be a variety of different reasons for it, but there's a chance that they've kind of played this out already as, as stupid as that sounds. 
Yeah, it's certainly going to be interesting. Um, the Mitchell stuff that I was – the reason why I mentioned him specifically is because, again, look, these are also difficult conversations, but if you're Utah, if you're Salt Lake – and you don't get a you know you don't get the type of talent specific the type of talent that Mitchell is, uh, you might not want to run him out of town by by piling on him at a time like this. That's all together. Like I'm right. just being I'm just being honest. The, like when I saw some of the comments and, and some of the you know some of the reactions, well, yes, of course that's not representative for the record. It's not representative of all Utah fans. So I'm not I'm not telling your listeners that you're all like this or they, but. You're all going to be lumped together when you know, like, like if it if it's when push comes to shove if it's okay stay here or go here and like and you're weighing out certain options that's not necessarily the greatest of approaches that's all I'll say. Look and people shouldn't have a problem being looped together because you're if you could just recognize if you're not that jazz fan we're not they're not talking about you then it there you go like it's it's that easy like if they're talking about uh, trash NBA Twitter accounts like you know you can look at it and say look they're not talking about me they're talking about Dan. So like you could just <laughs> you you could be able to separate that like people loop everything together and I don't think the reaction has to be to to get mad as if you're like misconveying this as all jazz fans suck I fully recognize I've interacted with a lot of jazz fans who do not suck uh, they I will say they are one of the most impassioned interesting fan bases when it comes to just basketball conversations uh, and that's just <laughs> that's not an insult just look at the them the Lakers the Suns. Um, social media bases, they're very engaged and some of their takes are to me are just wild, but I've had great conversations with many. I've had not so great conversations with others. It's, I'm not like, you're not being called out specifically if you're not part of that problem, but that's a great point with, with Mitchell is it's, it's, you could look at it as, oh, he's only going to be a restricted free agent. So the jazz still have all the power, but you don't want to put it in a situation where it's this contentious relationship where he ends up staying almost out of spite because he doesn't feel welcome and so and look by all means it seems like he's embraced that fan base and that city yes since arriving that. there they did turn on him it seemed like a little bit with the the rudy gobert stuff and so uh i kind of felt where he was coming from like i understand there was a point like rudy gobert i, I don't even want to rehash this stuff but he deserved criticism because he didn't take this seriously enough it was also only a matter of time before someone in the nba tested positive for COVID. And so he's not the reason the league shut down. I also don't think he's some sort of uh, martyr or hero be, because he caught it and forced the league to shut down. Oh, like, <laughs> Dan, I just realized something. You may not have seen what came out last night. What I'm actually referring to isn't the isn't the, the, the beef with the Gobert stuff or the flack that he took you know, as a result or that uh, Mitchell took as a result of that. I'm talking about Donovan Mitchell yesterday, you know, he, he uh, on Instagram, he posted something, uh, something of the lines of, you know, home, like, like, you know, we are free ish. Right. So anytime you have anybody that questions the freedom or questions anything, you you know, the reaction that you get. Jazz fans went after that man with some nastiness. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It's serious, serious nastiness. And I'm the only reason why I mention it again. And, you know, people might not want to hear it. This stuff matters, man. Like this stuff matters at this time. These these things will be remembered. And uh, yeah, like to me that, that to me, again, not lumping you all together. And, and, I'm, and I appreciate that point that you just made. But you might want to you might want to check on your homies if they're, if they're the ones out there sending you know, sending these messages. Oh, no. Yeah, I'm 100 percent with you. And I, I saw that I was bringing it back to the covid as like another example. Oh, it bad. seems like now it's twice. No, no. Um, it seems like now it's twice that this happened in like a span of a month where the response to Donovan Mitchell has been, shall we say, less than warm. And so, mm -hmm. but I'm in, I'm in agreement with you in totality right there. Yeah. Uh, he, look, the Knicks, big name. They would love him. Uh, we went deep on the jazz on that Knicks one. 
I'm wondering <laughs> where you would stand if they ended up acquiring a Chris Paul, because I'm normally against a team in their situation getting this aging star, and it, it would be objectively hysterical if they ended up trading for him a decade after they were supposed to get him, uh, that whole big three with Stat and Melo. I, I almost, I don't know if I just have fatigue from being in New York and watching really bad basketball teams, but I'm like, maybe that's not the worst idea in the world. He, perhaps I'm blinded because he was so good this year. I think if you went out and got a Kevin Love or a Blake Griffin, that's a little bit more reckless than going out and getting a CP3. Maybe he's not as happy um, as an actual mentor because the Knicks wouldn't be as good as the Thunder. And then also, what does acquiring him say about how you're thinking as a team? Are you all of a sudden in, all right, well, now we got to see who we can get for, for R.J. Barrett. Like, can we get another bigger name in here? And then you go out and trade for Kevin Love. Anyway, I'm just curious where you stand on something like that. I think you do. I think you absolutely make that move if you talk to Chris Paul, another CAA guy, once again, and and he says, "Yeah, I'm interested in. I'm interested in at least being a part of that rebuild as opposed to this one. Being you know being in New York City as opposed to you know, o- you know Oklahoma City. Yeah, I, I I think I don't think it would be. Look, we would we as NBA Twitter would frame it as, "Hey, look, the Knicks, Knicks go Nick. They went out and got this guy." <laughs> But it's not the same thing as just getting like Kevin Love or you know Blake. Even though I spoke you know, very highly of him earlier, and I do think he's still impactful. It's not the same because we do have this history. We do have the recent history, literally just months ago, of Chris Paul not just playing still you know at, at an effective level, but really galvanizing a group that, to be honest with you, unless you're an OKC diehard, you probably went into this year thinking that they were going to be absolutely in rebuild mode, and they weren't. No, they were uh, a team that I became emotionally attached to because they overachieved. The overachievement was not blowing it up at the trade line. And look, it's different for Chris Paul. I mean, you could say the same maybe for Kevin Love and Blake Griffin, but like this isn't, if you don't overpay for him, where if you're just giving up expirings or he's coming into your cap space, depending on how they operate this offseason, I think that's the way to to defend the move. Uh, I do, the last thing I want to ask you on them, though, is gut feeling. And I've actually been impressed by the names that have been cropping up in their head coaches search. It seems like they're finally thinking outside the box, looking at assistance, um, as opposed to just going after the the bigger names that are that are out there. They always seem to be the organization two steps behind, and it at least seems like they're in lockstep with where they should be looking at the the coaching market. But do you think this team, if you just had to guess, are they going to go through a rebuild, or is is there going to be are they going to try and complete some sort of more instantaneous solution? They're they're going for the instantaneous, like and this yeah, is the I mean. thing, like, <laughs> like especially at the coaching spot. Like, look, I, I would respect the hell out of them if they took one of the you know like the really good assistants out there or, or somebody that they, you know even one of these guys. Honestly, I well, you know what? I'm not going to jump out that window. They're going to end up with Tom Thibodeau or somebody, someone along those lines as their head coach. And and I and look, I'm not an anti-Tom Thibodeau, Thibodeau guy. I also don't think that he was, you know, the, the Tom Thibodeau coach was the problem in Minnesota. I think uh, Tom Thibodeau having the power, uh, you know, you know to, to 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 facilitate all of the roster moves was 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 more of the problem. Um, uh, because I, I just don't think that that should be a combined uh, role for anybody at, at, at this stage. Uh, but it, so I, so in saying that, I'm not just totally you know like uh, just denouncing Tom Thibodeau, but that's really what it's going to be because I don't I don't see them you know having the type of imagination to you know to to, to really. Well, no, I don't have I don't see them uh, having to having the stones to really take that to you know, take that leap in that market. I'm again in lockstep with you. I think it's going to end up being Thibodeau, and I'm not as low on him as everybody else. If he can. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was worried about his offenses seem just sort of a little bland, but if he can get to a point where he's maybe Minnesota was a wake up call for him and his defense will change so that you're not allowing as many of these open three point looks. I don't think that he's a bad coach. It's right now. He hasn't shown a willingness to adapt, but you know, did what happened in Minnesota 
has that changed him? He wouldn't be my pick, but perhaps ends up working better than expected. I'm I'm with you though. This would the real surprise would be, and I don't know how they would signal this. Like, is it oh they didn't trade for Chris Paul or they didn't spend their cap space this summer? I don't know how they signal that they would be leaning into a full on rebuild. But that would be the real surprise to me is that if there isn't some measure of no, you know what, maybe we'll be, we're, we're accepting we're going to be bad next season, but the plan is to be really good by 2021. And we're going to sign one of these big name free agents. It does feel like they're eventually going to lean more towards that direction if they're not outright doing it behind the scenes already. I think I think uh, the, the biggest the greatest signal might be if they go for the you know if, if they go for the talent or the player before they set in stone which direction the organization is going to go in from a from you know from a mindset standpoint from you know from a you know, uh, you know with the coach I think that we know we have our answer. Oh yeah, because you're, right. Co- that, you're right. Because they should they should they, they should absolutely have a coach in place before they decide what talent that they're going to be bringing in. Right, and so if they went with a a Kenny Atkinson or let's say if they go with a Will Hardy or like a Nima Udoka, like that would be like oh the Knicks are actually going to rebuild. But if they hire Thibodeau, it's just like oh they're they're going to try and win right away. That's actually I don't know why I didn't think of it in those terms. But if it's Tibbs that gets the job, I don't think there's any doubt that the Knicks are thinking more immediate than than gradual. And I think they are. <laughs> I yeah. think they all will. Uh, Jabari, I kept you way longer than I said I was going to keep you. So I appreciate you staying on and talking to us about the bubble, talking to me about, about some hoops. It was a lot of fun. Uh, if you guys, as mentioned at the top, if you don't follow him already on Twitter, you need to remedy that immediately. He can be found at Jabari Davis MB- MBA. That's at J-A-B-A-R-I Davis MBA. Thank you so much again for, for coming on. And I'm sure I'll be pestering you again in the near future. Not even a pester, man. I, I appreciate it. I, I, I was look. I was honored when you asked. I, I'm even uh, happier that I joined. So please reach out. Well, thank you so much. I'll talk to you soon.